Biden makes a speech, and it was one hell of an acting job. And enough about Afghanistan. Let's see what's happening here. Because I got news for you. Talking about culture is so much fun, and everyone's talking about Afghanistan. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So, Joe Biden finally decided he was going to leave the basement and <coughs> have a speech. Again, middle of the afternoon, because he can't stay up past six. Uh... And talk about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go get any sound. There, actually, there'll be no sound today at all, because I just didn't feel like it, and I really wanted to talk about something other than Afghanistan. Um, well, there was one word for the speech. Let me see. Terrible, awful, miserable. It looked like someone wrote the speech, gave him a shot of meth, and then put him towards the podium. The first thing I noticed about this whole thing, he was yelling. I think he was trying to actually show how strong he is. But like me, I've got kind of a hearing problem. And so I start yelling, not because of how strong I am, but because I can't hear you. I can't hear myself speak. I'm not sure if that's what he was doing. Or maybe he was just really pissed off that he had to, you know walk away from the Golden Girls and he had to actually make this speech or he was really pissed off at himself. I, I, I don't know, but I personally think he probably was just thinking, you know what, um, I did such a great job here and nobody appreciates me. And by the way, that's pretty much what he said. Uh, he said the whole thing was a success. Okay. I, I think I have in my show notes, are you kidding well, I'm, I'm just, he's been saying this, Jen Psaki has been saying this, the defense, the Department of Defense uh, Secretary has been saying this, all, everyone's been saying this was an absolutely huge success. So don't believe your lion eyes is essentially what it is. Don't believe all the things you're seeing on social media or anything like that. It's, it's all not true. He also it did what he always does. He inflates the number of people that were taken out of Afghanistan. I think he had it up to 120,000. Okay, this is just an absolute lie. He didn't get out 120,000. He got out maybe 20,000. I think that would be even a stretch. It was the other countries, France, Great Britain, uh, uh, Germany. They pulled people out too. I think even some smaller countries like Norway and Switzerland pulled people out. So basically he took took the numbers of all the countries pulling people out. And by the way, those countries had bravery. They actually went in to get their people. We didn't. And the other question that he never asked, never was asked or never answered, how many Americans did you pull out? He said this is the greatest airlift in history. Again, he's comparing this to the Berlin airlift, which was actually one of the greatest mechanical engineering feats in history. It really was. But it looked more like the Saigon airlift. Because don't forget, the Berlin airlift was used to get food to the Soviet-controlled territory in Berlin so they wouldn't have to crash they wouldn't have to fall to the Soviets. We were actually helping people at that point. This one, we were running away. We were retreating. 
So again, that's just a load crap. Uh, he said the he said this was this was kind of the contradiction in this whole thing. He said it was a huge su success, but he blamed Trump twice. He also blamed the Afghan government. He blamed the Afghan military, and those people that are stuck over there. He blamed them too. All this buck stops here crap doesn't work if you say, but it was Trump's fault. Also, he keeps screaming, it's such a great success of the Biden administration that we got out of Afghanistan, though it wasn't a great success. But it was actually Trump, and he keeps saying Trump signed this agreement with the Afghanis, and he's using that to blame them, yet he's so thrilled we got out. Do you see a problem here? Biden didn't get out of Afghanistan, Trump did. And if this is going to be a selling point that, you know, Trump signed this agreement that we get out and it's a success for the Biden administration, then it was actually Trump that did the success. And then Biden just screwed out, screwed up the pullout. He, it, it's really bizarre. I mean, this speech was filled with little contradictions like that. The buck stops here, but frickin' Trump, frickin' Afghan government, frickin' Afghan military, and frickin' those that are stranded over there for not listening to me, you know, two weeks before the Taliban took over. Even though I told you the Taliban wouldn't take over. Then he started going really weird. He started threatening all the terrorists and those that are planning terrorist attacks and that he's going to hunt them down and blah, blah. Okay, so how is he going to do this? Of course, he didn't mention it. How is he going to take care of the terrorists? We don't know. We have no idea. Presumably, we're going to have to go back to Afghanistan if, they, if we have some sort of terrorist attack. We can't sit there and say, by that, the above, over-the-horizon BS that they keep talking about? Well, we had over-the-horizon when we had access to the Pakistani uh, airfields and when we had access to Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan. We don't have that anymore. Now we're flying from Qatar, which is like a four-hour flight. We don't have that over-the-horizon thing we had before. That's gone. When he left, that was gone. Pakistan made a deal with the Taliban, so they now the United States can't land on any Pakistani airfields. It's just talk. It's just trying to look tough. Finally, he talked about his dead son again. I, I'm sorry I said that, but it's true. I've got a dead son, but it's true because it's so disgusting. His son died of brain cancer when he was 46. A 20-year-old soldier dying from a terrorist attack while being stationed in a war zone that old Joe created? This is a cynical, pathetic attempt by Joe Biden to appear empathetic and gain some sympathy at the same time. The reality is his son's death and the death of the 13 soldiers, not the same thing. Not even close to the same thing. Because... Joe Biden didn't cause his son's death. Joe Biden did cause the deaths of 13 other soldiers. When he finished, he took no questions, turned his back, and left. It was a great, it was a wonderful press conference. He should be proud. So there was no mention of some things. 
There was no mention about whether the United States was going to have to bribe the Taliban or pay uh, ransoms to get our people back. There was no discussion about how we're going to get the people back. There's no discussion about the executions that are happening right now under Taliban rule. And you heard the video yesterday. There's no mention of the military crap, $83 billion of it left behind. There's no mention of the fact that the Taliban are now flying our own helicopters. Nothing about the dozens of military support dogs we left behind who will supposedly be shot by the Taliban. Some people say they'll be tortured too. Well, I mean, why not believe that? I, I don't see why we can't. All we really got out of this whole thing, it was everyone's fault but Joe Biden's and Joe Biden, the, the, the buck stops with Joe Biden. He said it, the buck stops here again. And he takes full responsibility, responsibility, excuse me, my English is off, fundamentally. I don't know what that means. Why would you qualify it with, I take responsibility fu fundamentally? I, I don't know what that means. It was a bad speech. The stronger, and see, this is the other thing. I know he was yelling because he wanted to give off this impression that he's strong. But the stronger he tries to look, the weaker he actually does look. So, yeah, no, not a great speech. And then we got to hear Mr. Empathy here. So Joe Biden had decided to abandon an Afghan ally, ally, a man widely embraced by the U.S. military. Okay, so what? He's abandoning a ton of them. Yeah, but this guy actually saved Biden's life while he was in Afghanistan in 2008. Biden was in Afghanistan with two other senators, John Kerry and Chuck Hagel. Uh, they were in a helicopter in an area of Afghanistan that wasn't Taliban controlled, but it was still kind of dangerous. By the way, this is from the uh, Wall Street Journal. You can go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and actually read the entire article. Uh, they hit a snowstorm and the helicopters had to land because of safety purposes. They were afraid they were going to crash. They called the U.S. base and a man named Mohammed, his name has actually been withheld because he's still in Afghanistan. He's kind of afraid for his life. And he joined the soldiers to get this guy out, to get these this these the future president of the United States out. Um, it was a two-hour drive, about a twenty-mile trip up through the mountains of Afghanistan in winter. And believe me, it looks like it's it's a winter is terrible in Afghanistan. That's why they never fight there. Now, this is a really this Muhammad. He's a really trusted guy. He's been on hundreds of trips with our military, and the military has even given him weapons in case they got into a scrap. There are many soldiers that are begging Trump, uh, begging, uh, excuse me, Biden. I'm so I'm so busy blaming Trump for everything. Uh, begging Biden to get this guy out. And you know what Joe Biden has done? You know what Joe Biden has said? Yep, not a damn thing. Because he doesn't care. Mohammed sent Joe Biden a message. He is currently in hiding 
from the Taliban with his family. He said, quote, hello, Mr. President, save me and my family. Don't forget me here. I can't leave my house. I'm very scared. Biden has yet to comment on the whole thing. He, he just doesn't care. Jen Psaki said when she was questioned about this, he will get, we will get you out. We will honor your service. Yeah, you know something? Hey, don't hold your breath. I don't believe it. Okay, so there's your. that's about as much Afghani news as I'm going to give you. Now let's go into some culture because there's some pretty impressive stuff that's happened. Um, Texas passed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country earlier this year. Basically, the law states that an abortion would be illegal after a heartbeat can be detected. A baby's heartbeat can be detected in about six weeks. So if a doctor commits an abortion, he can be sued. All right? So it is not actually criminal here. That's important. He can be sued and and fined uh, $10,000 plus have to pay the legal fees of the plaintiff. If he wins the case, he cannot collect legal fees. By the way, there's no action, either civil or criminal, against the woman who had the abortion. A lower federal court ruled that the law was constitutional, and the appellate court and the Supreme Court refused to listen to the case. So, the law is legal, and it goes into effect today. Now, you know what I think of abortion. I'll give you a review, just in case you missed my the last 30 podcasts that I talked about abortion. Um, morally, it's murder. Philosophically, it's murder. Scientifically, it's murder. Roe versus Wade is a garbage ruling and needs to be overturned. And I have debated this probably a thousand of times with a bunch of pro-abortionists, and they have lost the debate every time. And that's not what's great about this law. Okay, that it's actually on the books. That's not what's great about this law. What's great is anti-abortionist states now see the roadmap to getting rid of abortion or at least really limiting it. The problem with the other laws that might have issues with the appellate courts that are out there, laws from Georgia, um, Georgia, what, what are some of the, Georgia, Missouri, Mississippi, where they're really trying to push anti-abortion laws, is that they tried to make abortion criminal, and that's going to be a problem. This law makes abortion uh, civil. And so the court said, well, it's a civil case. Don't have to hear it. Listen, abortion is not going to be eliminated in this country right now. There's just no way. That's because abortion is now too ingrained into our society, just like slavery. And yes, it's as evil as slavery. But it can be chipped away with until it becomes the moral abomination that it is, just like slavery was. Slavery wasn't banned outright. We chipped away at it until only a few states had it. Then we fought a war over it. Laws like these are how we're going to chip away at abortion. Of course, the left keeps flipping out because, you know, they like nothing more than kill babies. Nancy Pelosi said, 
SCOTUS's failure, or tweeted, excuse me, SCOTUS's failure to block SB8 has delivered a catastrophe to women in Texas. This radical law in all-out effort to erase the rights and protections of Roe versus Wade. Okay, hear that? Babies being born is a catastrophe. And by the way, I'll say this again in a few minutes, a few seconds actually, <laughs> abortion isn't a right. It's not a constitutional right. That is untrue. Just because one court ruled Roe versus Wade is is constitutional doesn't make it a right. It's got to be in the Constitution. Here's Rashida Tlaib because we've got to talk about the squad because they're just they're just so dumb and they're just kind of fun to look at it. So last night, far right wing, the far right Supreme Court signaled its willingness to overturn Roe and put millions of women in danger. Health, abortion is health care. Well, it's not health care if you're the baby. We must do everything we can to fortify that fundamental right. That means abolishing the filibuster and expanding the courts. You know, the only women who are actually in danger if abortion is outlawed, uh, if abortion is outlawed, or, or not outlawed, excuse me, is the women who are being aborted. So that's not necessarily true. And by the way, abortion is not safe for the woman. I know they like to tell you it's it, it's safe. No, it's not. Abortion, again, not a right. And I don't know, maybe you caught this too. What exactly does the filibuster have to do with Roe versus Wade? Again, this is just a word salad. And we're going to hear this when we get to the, the, the third member of the squad who talks about this because I, I think it's very telling. Now, here's AOC, and, she, wow, I, I don't even know what this means. Maybe someone can leave me a message and tell me. So, AOC tweeted, Among many other warnings, survivors warned that sexual assault is about abuse of power and a judge credibly accused of such shouldn't be trusted with the rights of the vulnerable. Now, Roe is upended, but we're not going anywhere. This is a fight for our lives. Okay, she's either lying or she's just really stupid. I prefer to choose that she's just really stupid. I mean, don't she lies a lot. First off, um, uh, there's a, so many things wrong with this. First off, uh, sexual assault victims make up less than five percent, less than one percent of the abortions out there. So I'm not exactly sure how sexual assault victims have anything to do with abortion. They're just so few. The second thing I have is um, a judge sits there and says something's constitutional equals sexual assault. Maybe that's what she's saying. Hmm. And then the vulnerable, the vulnerable is the baby. The baby is the one who's the vulnerable one, not the woman. The woman gets an abortion, she goes home, and she's fine. It's the baby that's vulnerable. Also, the fight for our lives? You know, that's the one thing I love when, when the left says that. To kill babies is fighting for their lives. You know what I'm doing? I'm fighting for lives. Actual lives. Like people they're killing. So, yeah. This it, is just... It's, it's a really dumb argument. But the dumbest thing comes from uh, Cori Bush. And my God. You don't even have to ask me if she's lying or dumb. She's just dumb. So she said this, she tweeted this, I'm thinking about black, brown, low-income, queer, and young folks in Texas. The folks this abortion health care ban will disproportionately harm. 
First off, it's not a ban. It's just you can be sued for it. Wealthy white folks will have the means to access abortion care. Our communities won't. Okay. Um, first off, here's the reality. If you are, if you are the child, the unborn child of a black woman, you have a 53% chance of being aborted. Which means black people are killing more of their kids than white people are. Doesn't that make you racist that you don't want any more black people born? And that you support that black people should be able to get abortions? Let's not forget, the black population over the last 10 years did not go up. Probably has something to do with the fact that you're killing over half of them. Out of the babies, the newborn babies in the last 10 years. And don't think that wasn't an argument they made with New York. Well, if New York didn't support all this abortion, maybe they wouldn't have lost two representatives after the census was counted. Interesting argument. I also want to point out, Mary Sanger was a racist and a eugenicist. She hated black people. She built Planned Parenthood, put them in black communities, because she wanted to limit the black population because she thought they were bad for <coughs> the United States population. That's one of the reasons in 2020 they decided to take Mary Sanger's name out of the history of Planned Parenthood. You can't change history. It's there. Her books are still out there. You can read them. I've read one. She's a she's a hardcore racist. Finally, this is the dumbest part. Um, how does abortion affect gay couples? How does uh, two men in a relationship or two women in a relationship have anything to do with abortion? Man's going to get pregnant? But see, that's the idiocy. Idiocy in tube forms. When you fail to acknowledge biological sex, you say this and it just, everyone who believes in what you're saying, they all acknowledge it's true. The other thing is, she should have actually looked at what she was tweeting because all she's basically tweeting is the default narrative that the left has. So she says something stupid, but that's okay because that's their narrative. So... Yeah, you know what? Good for Texas. That's all I've got to say. Okay, here's another fun story. Uh, need to wipe your butt in the near future? Yeah, okay. Little advice for you. Use one less sheet. We are now in a toilet paper and paper, paper towel shortage again. I thought this was a joke until I went to Walmart and Costco to buy paper towels and toilet paper. Um, at Costco, they completely ran out of uh, uh, paper towels. And they were limiting to two packs per family of toilet paper. Then we went to Walmart and they had the same limits. Now, I live alone. Understand something. Toilet paper and paper towels do not run out in my house unless Josie's here because she just, I don't know what she does. But she uses toilet paper like it's coming out of her ears. I, I, I don't quite understand any of that stuff. But the reality is I'm good with toilet paper. I'm not worried about it. But here's, uh, so according to the Wall Street, Street Journal, here's what actually is happening. And this is basic, this is basic um, uh, supply and demand. Before the pandemic, supply and demand was normal. Uh, companies ordered the amount they needed. Manufacturers produced what they needed. And there was, everything was flowing normally. Then the pandemic hit. People overbought paper towels and toilet paper. Because they thought the world was ending. The manufacturers produced more and more 
to keep up with demand. Eventually, people hit their fill of toilet paper and paper towels and stopped buying. Companies overbuying toilet paper and paper towels had huge inventories that weren't moving, so they stopped ordering them. Manufacturers slowed production of toilet paper and paper towels below pre-pandemic levels because they didn't want to have high inventories within their own warehouses. People began to run out of their um, their stock because eventually you're going to use you know the 1,200 cases of toilet paper you have, and they started buying it again. And then you had this Delta variant and people weren't sure they were going to be locked down again. They started buying a little bit extra, not as much as before. Stores started running out because their orders were going through and they ordered more to keep up the demand. Now manufacturers have to turn on 24-7 production of this stuff to keep up because they stopped producing or they lowered their production to the point that... um, they didn't have enough to hand out. Pretty neat how the free market works, right? The reason I was interested in the story is because it shows the delicate balance between supply and demand. The manufacturers and stores have to be careful not to get stuck with huge inventories, but that's dependent on the customers. The pandemic the pandemic put the supply and demand in absolute chaos, and as we see in the story... It could probably be a couple of years before the toilet paper and paper towel industry stabilizes because they just can't seem to get it right now because people are panicking. I know that sounds stupid. You know, you'd think I'd be talking about something. No, I'm just talking about the free market. But when you go to Costco and can only buy one bag of toilet paper, remember, that's why you can only buy one uh, brand of toilet paper. It also explains why our gas prices are going up. Remember, Biden didn't want to produce oil in this country anymore. So right off the bat, prices go up. But OPEC isn't producing as much oil because of the pandemic, and a lot of countries don't need that number of oil. They don't want to get stuck with a huge supply of oil that they can't move. So they just keep it, and they stop producing oil. When Joe Biden sits back and asks OPEC to produce more oil, more oil so he can keep prices stable, they say no. And the reason is the world is not right yet and that they still have huge inventories. Now they're, we're beginning to see that countries are beginning to buy oil again because the pandemic is basically over. The reason OPEC does that is because they don't want sky-high oil prices And they also don't want oil prices to crash. They're trying to keep this balance. If Joe Biden understood that, maybe he would not have gone out and just destroyed the oil industry in the United States. Because we were pretty much on our own when it came to the oil industry. All right, this is another great story. I, I love stories like this. So the Boston Athletics Association has had to apologize because they scheduled the Boston Marathon on October 10th. That happens to be the Indigenous Peoples Day. The director said they would celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. They apologized for it. Uh, What they would end up doing is having a bunch of um, celebrations and ceremonies before and after the race celebrating Indians, American Indians. 
There's no way they could cancel the race, so they had to come up with something. I mean, you can't cancel a race a month before the race. Normally, this race is held on Patriots Day, which is on October 18th. I'm not sure why they changed the race date. It wasn't mentioned in the article, but because the race directors, I, I, I would suspect the race directors are all white because it's in Boston and most of Boston is white. Uh, it was because they were white and all racist. Okay. Now let's talk about a little bit about Indigenous Peoples Day because it's really just a lot of BS anyway. Uh, this was a holiday that was established in California, uh, in Berkeley, California, in 1992 by a bunch of politically correct college hippies that wanted to counter Columbus Day because they didn't know anything about history and thought that Christopher Columbus was a racist colonizer that killed the Indians. Okay, uh, That's also BS. I think you've heard me talk about the Indians in past podcasts, definitely more than one. I'll give you a little overview. The Indians were not peaceful, nature-loving vegetarians like the left wants you to believe. All right? They were actually very warring, quite brutal. And yes, they also had slavery. So to sit back and say, you know, hey, we got to get rid of uh, Columbus Day because he came over here and, you know, genocidal maniac Columbus. Yeah, no, that's not the story. Indigenous Peoples Day does not celebrate anything specific. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that Mexicans are sometimes called indigenous people, and the reality is Mexicans are actually a mix of Indians and uh, people from Spain, which Isabella really pushed. She wanted people from Spain marrying Indians, and, and that did happen. It is celebrated in some states and a bunch of localities and cities, it is not a national holiday. Guess what, though? People still have to go to work on Indigenous Peoples Day. It's kind of like Kwanzaa. Some crap that some people made up to make a holiday to counter Christmas because Christmas was racist. It's really kind of dumb if you think about it. That's a real cynical reason to have a holiday, is to counter some other holiday that other people really like. That's why I piss on this holiday. I really don't give a damn about this holiday. The least the hippies at Berkeley could have done is make it like Cinco de Mayo. I mean, no one knows what Cinco de Mayo is about. De Mayo is about. It's not the freedom of freaking Mexico. It was based on a small-scale battle uh, between uh, the, the Mexicans and the uh, Spanish that they won, and it wasn't even that, it's not even that big of a deal in Mexico, but it, at least it's a time we can sit back and drink, you know? But I digress. So Boston, Massachusetts, by the way, is not one of these cities that celebrates Indigenous Peoples Day. It doesn't. So what the hell are they apologizing about? And when is holding a marathon... One that is, by the way, far older than this stupid holiday, and I, I'm using air quotes for holiday, an insult to Indians. Well, it's not. People just need something to bitch about. And I don't know when these people are going to stop apologizing for doing things, like overlooking some innocuous holiday that somebody made up 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When are they going to stop acknowledging all this crap? I don't soon. They're going to want, they're going to call Christmas 
racist, and demand Christians apologize for Christmas because it falls on the same day as Kwanzaa. I, you, you know that's going to happen. If I were the race director, I would have told these people to F off. I, I don't understand. I, I, I really don't understand this entire, this all this garbage. Okay, that's it. I actually have one more story. I'll just publish it and you can read about it. It's uh, apparently we are we are getting to the point now that these mask mandates, uh, the um, what do they call them? The um, the mask mandates are now being the bans of mask mandates are being are being attacked in the courts. It's a very interesting case, I think. Well, I will do it. We'll go a little long today. So here's the thing. The leftists really want our kids to wear masks. Not for any particular scientific reason. We already know kids don't catch the virus easily. Kids don't spread the virus easily. We know that kids don't really get sick, much less die. And we know that cloth masks probably... We know the cloth masks don't work. We do know scientifically that masks are actually bad for children. It's bad for their socialization. It's bad for detecting speech patterns when they're trying to pronounce words from teachers. It's bad for their CO2 levels. It, when you Apparently, when you breathe in your own air, you have higher CO2 in the blood, lower oxygen, oxygenation in the blood. And low oxygen levels cause problems. They cause fatigue. They cause intention, uh, attention deficit because you're more fatigued. But the left wants everyone to bend the knee. Some states have ba banned the mask mandates, like Texas and Florida, so a school can't say you have to wear a mask or you can't come to school. Well, the left has found a new way to attack the banning of mask mandates, the American Disabilities Act. Okay, we'll get to that thing in a second. Greg Abbott is now being sued from Texas. The lawsuit states that the banning of mask mandates violates the ADA because a child that had a pre-existing condition that puts him in danger if he catches the China virus because other kids didn't wear masks. This is not the first lawsuit in the courts. I believe there's a couple in Florida who's suing for the same thing. Their kid has a pre-existing condition and the couple wants their school to implement a mask mandate. The lawsuit is going to have some major problems and it's probably not going to go. The first off, the science on masks is sketchy at best. There are a couple of studies that said the masks are bad unless you're using a K K95, KN95 or an N95 and you have to constantly change the mask. You can't just wear the mask for eight hours. It just gets dirty. And then the mask ends up taking in the virus. There was never a need. And the other argument is there's never a need for masks before the China virus. The flu kills more children than COVID does. In the last year and a half, 480 kids have died from the flu, while only 360 children have died from the China virus. And that brings another point. There are 75 million children in the country. Why are we panicking about a disease that affects so few? These arguments in, the, in themselves should put enough to throw all this crap out in court. And, but here's the real argument. The ADA means we have to add things to make it easier for those with the disabilities. A ramp for folks with two wheelchairs. Larger 
uh, bathroom stalls for kids, for people with wheelchairs. Handicapped parking spaces for those who have trouble walk, walking. I, it's not meant to actually limit someone's freedom or a parent's freedom on what's best for their kids. And I would say forcing a child to wear a face covering is limiting their freedom and my freedom to determine what is good for my child. Especially if I think masks are not good for any kids. The lawsuit also goes right against the ADA. The ADA is meant to expand the freedom of movement for a few, not limit the movement for a majority to protect a few. I would say limiting my child's ability to breathe is restricting her movement. The other major problem with the lawsuit is basing things on what might happen, not on the condition that it already exists. For example, the ramps are built not because I might become paralyzed and need a wheelchair one day. It's because I'm already in a wheelchair and I need that freedom of movement. You want my kids to wear a mask because someone might catch the China virus and really get sick? That's not a thing. And that's not what, what's meant by the ADA. Here's the reality. If you have kids... That you, you have a kid that has a pre-existing condition. You need to take care of your kid in whatever way you see fit without stepping on the rights of my kid or my right to take care of the my kid the way I see fit. Now, understand something. I think masks on kids is actually bad for the kids. So, when you sit there and tell me I need to do something for your kid, no, it's not good for my kid. I don't want kids to die, but kids do die. And it's a parent's job to protect their kids. It's not my job to protect all kids at the expense of my kid. In Catcher of the Rye, written by J.D. Salinger, it says, when Holden Caulfield goes up and, and, re, and just wants to protect his sister as much as he can, and one of the ways he wants to do it is get rid of all the curse words that are written on the walls, you know, the graffiti written on the walls. At the end of the book, he realizes, I can't rewrite, I can't erase all the F words in the world. In other words, I can't protect my kid from 100%. And I'm sure as hell it's not my ability, not my job to protect everybody's kids. Okay, so this was a little different of a podcast. Uh, not a lot of news. I'm going to do another different podcast on, unless something bizarre happens, I'm going to do another podcast on uh, Friday that's going to be different. Don't forget I'm off tomorrow. Um, we're going to we're gonna take a look at some just really funky people out there in the world. Take a look at TikTok. Okay, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com so you can take a look at... All of the links, and there are a ton of links there. I actually covered quite a few stories. I hope you guys have a great day. Great day off tomorrow. Take care. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>